And so, three points here in Joseph's life there, because he transitioned out of the life of Joseph. And it starts in chapter 37, which we read. It says, Now Joseph dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And again, this is after Jacob has, has turned into Israel. But it still kind of goes back and forth there. And it says, And the lad was with the sons of both his servants, his father's wife, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel, which is Jacob, loved Joseph more than all of his children, because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Now, there's an important point here if you really read Genesis. And it's kind of funny. Jacob, I'm not sure how many years span this, this happens from the transition to Israel until it talks about Joseph here. But Jacob started this new life in God, okay? He started to live the right way and do things the right way. But just like we do as Christians, sometimes we still tend to stray back to our old life from time to time. And it's still, sometimes it's hard for, you know, bad, or bad habits die hard, you know, that saying goes. And if you think back in the life of uh, Jacob, you know, it all started, this whole bad trail he went on, because he had a sibling conflict with Esau. And Esau, his brother, you know, he was supposed to have the birthright. Dad loved Esau more. Mom loved Jacob more. And it caused problems their whole life. So you would think that when he has children of his own, he would live differently. You know, he wouldn't do the same thing. But one of the very first things that it talks about when you see the life of Joseph is Jacob loved him more than all the other kids. And I'm like, wow, I did exactly what his dad did. Um, and, and you think about this in our own life. I believe the first point is Doing things the same way that leads to disaster before and expecting a different result is the definition of stupidity. You know, Jacob chooses a favorite son in Joseph, just like his father did with Esau, and we'll see the same exact result happens. The other siblings get jealous. They start bickering. They see that daddy loves Joseph more. He gets the special coat, and he gets all the nice things they don't get. And so they plan to basically kill him, and then they end up selling to, to a foreign land. You know, very similar thing to how Jacob did with Esau back in the day. And you know, I think about this in our church. So how does this relate to our church life? I think about this. How many times in church do we do the same things over and over and expect a different result when what we've done hasn't worked in years? You know, a lot of times this happens with us. We have, we have a hard time learning this lesson as believers that we have a certain method of doing things, a certain way of worshiping, a certain way of reaching people, a certain way of doing Sunday morning, and maybe it's not working. Maybe it's just hasn't really brought in lost people. Maybe maybe people aren't really coming to Christ for what we're doing anymore. It worked back in the day, but for years it hasn't worked. If, we don't, if we're not willing to change that and go a different direction, then we're basically being just like Israel here and doing the same things, expecting a different result. And that's basically the definition of stupidity. Uh, if something doesn't work and we keep doing it because it's comfortable to us, or because we've always done it that way, it's not only neglecting the, the change that God leads us to, but it, it's acting out of stupidity. You know, the fastest growing churches in the world right now, the ones that you see skyrocketing and building different branches and churches, that even in the area, you look around the area that we're in, those that are growing really quickly and reaching lost people and having hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ every year, there's a very similar theme in all those churches. Uh, and the theme is that they're willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost around them. If you think about our lives today, are we really willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost in the garden around us? And if it means we have to change the way we operate, to change the way we do things, 
We have to go out and do different activities. We have to go out in places we're uncomfortable and to bring people in and to, and to reach people. Are we willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost? And if we're not, we're not going to grow like we're, like we're called to. You know, they're willing to change as the Lord leads them, and they're constantly reinventing themselves as God leads to reach the world around them for Jesus. And that's one of the things as you become a Christian, as you grow older in life, if you want to continue to excel and continue to grow and dive deeper in your faith, you have to constantly reinvent yourself. The world's going to constantly change around us. The culture constantly changes. People are involved in different things. And if you're not willing to change and to, and to involve, not your morals, but the way you, you go about sharing your faith and the way you reach the laws, then you're going to stop reaching people. And then all of a sudden, the church stops reaching the laws, and the church becomes inwardly focused, and the church dies. And so uh, that's an important point to note here in this first part here that Jacob's doing the same thing that never works and it continues to not work. And so like I said, Joseph's brothers get really mad at him. They get upset. They try to deceive a way to kill him. They decide that, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. It's kind of far. So that's a stretch. Because he didn't do anything wrong. We just don't like him. And so they put him uh, in this pit and then sell him to these travelers coming by that are going to Egypt. So he now becomes a slave, just like that. He becomes this really good person, he's daddy's favorite, doing nothing wrong, now he's going to pit and sold to slavery. So, pretty, pretty rough for Joseph here. And you look at verses 37, this is a pretty neat little story. It starts in chapter 37, I'm sorry. It starts in verse 12, when it says, And then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Tell me where they are, and I'll go, I'll go to them. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after, after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now he saw them afar off, even before he came near. This is when they conspired. They conspired to kill him. Then they say to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Right before this happened, Joseph has this dream. He's going to be a ruler over them and a leader over them. And that just fuels the fire. I mean, you think about stupidity. Joseph wouldn't do anything wrong, but you got to think your brothers already hate you. And you're going to tell them that, hey, I'm, I'm going to rule over you one day. That's just fueling the fire. I mean, that's just, that's just making things worse. And so they really hate him now. And it says, look, this dreamer is coming. It says, come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. So they kind of mock him for saying this. And then Reuben, which I guess is one of the brothers that decides to have a good spirit here for a second, said to him, Shed no blood, let's cast him into this pit, which is in the wilderness, and do not lay a hand on him. He might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. They took him and cast him into the pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. So they basically left him there to die. I mean, he gets sold into slavery, and they pretty much leave him there to die at first. And then... They sat down to eat a meal. So I think this is kind of funny. This is way, way, way to mock him. They throw him in a pit with no water, basically leave him there to die. 
And then doesn't say they go off somewhere. They probably just stay right there and eat a meal together, kind of celebrating this right in front of them, which is just crazy to think about uh, how, how, how mean this is to him. And so, huh? Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that. It says, and they sat down to eat a meal, and they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. Praise our brother in our flesh. And his brothers listened. So then it goes on basically to say, if these, these guys come by, they take Joseph out of the pit, decide that eh, it's actually better if we just sell him anyways, we'll make some money off of this, and they sell him to the travelers, and Joseph becomes a slave in Egypt. So we get to the next point here. If you're Joseph at this point, any natural human is feeling pretty bad about himself. I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. Your brothers hate you. They tried to kill you. They somehow decided not to, and they sold you for probably, you know, hardly nothing. And so Joseph's feeling pretty big down, I'm sure. But I want you guys to notice a very important point in this story. And this is point number two, if you're taking notes, is when people see the Lord working through you, they want to be a part of it. So no matter what situation you're in, if people see the Lord working through you, they're going to desire to be a part of that. And... When you fast forward to chapter 39, you're just going to go about two, two chapters forward here. And chapter 39 is one of the most interesting chapters because it looks like all is doom and gloom for Joseph. It's just going to keep getting worse and worse. He becomes uh, you know, a slave to uh, Potiphar. And, but there's something very important to note here about how the Egyptians view Joseph. And it starts in verse 1. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now verse 2, very important to note. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a very successful man. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was very successful. So this is the Bible points this out on purpose. And it says, He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. So what did he do? Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made Joseph very quickly overseer over his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So Joseph goes from being the low man on the totem pole to being, you know, everybody's kind of beaten bad, to all of a sudden... He's over everything that Potiphar has in his house. And he's, he's the highest servant Potiphar has. Why? It wasn't because Joseph was, you know, extra strong or extra athletic or he had this beautiful singing voice or something like that. It was because it was so evident that the Lord was with him. Potiphar said, man, I need this guy beside me. Everything this guy does, he's successful in. You know, something, something extra spiritual is happening with Joseph. And i got to be a part of that. And so I want you guys to think about your life today. When people look at you, what kind of spirit do they see? Because you know people when they walk in a room, when the temperature of the room goes up, when you see somebody, your day is better, they always have a smile on their face, they, they welcome you, you feel good around them. You can see when someone has a good spirit about them. But also vice versa. 
You're the person at work that comes in, everybody's day goes down, you know. Somebody comes in, everybody starts talking bad, and the temperature goes down a lot. I was actually talking to somebody at work this week about this. I said, well, it's kind of like on a football team, when you have one person that doesn't care what the coach says, they're going to do their own thing. No matter what they say, it starts to, starts to spread, and it becomes a cancer. And all of a sudden, this team that was all going in the right direction starts going their own separate ways, and they start losing games and becoming very unsuccessful. The same thing, yeah, do you have a question? What was a totem pole? A what? Joseph is a servant 
He's, he's still pretty low, but he becomes a really high regarded servant. And all of a sudden, the king's wife, you know, asks him to sleep with her. You know, Joseph, he's young. You know, he was 17 when the story started here. He's probably not that much older at this point. You know, that's, that's, that's for most men, they're probably looking at that and saying, wow, that's, a, that's crazy. Like, how can, that, how can she like me? You know, uh, wow, she, she really finds me fancy. But, uh, but instead of Joseph taking, taking this opportunity, he still looks at God and says, this is wrong. I shouldn't do this. You're, you're married to the king's wife. I'm responsible for the house and those that are in it. And I shouldn't be doing this. And he actually calls it great wickedness. So Joseph, he's, he's not, you know, like 40, 50 years old here. He's a young guy and already has self-control. That's a rare quality to have, especially in a lot of teenagers today, to have that kind of self-control and that kind of um, obedience to God. So this is, again, why the Spirit reigns so, so powerful with Joseph. But then it goes on here and it says, So it was that she spoke to Joseph day by day, constantly kept at this. She didn't just stop at one time. Day by day. Um, and it says, he did not heed her. So every time he rejected her, to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside. She called him by his garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran. And so it was, she got pretty ticked at this, and so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of the house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So crazy, crazy lie she comes up with here. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. So now the big guy comes home. And Joseph did nothing wrong. He actually did everything right. She's the one totally the wrong here. But she spins this lie, and Joseph being a servant, and she being the wife of the king, Joseph's words are not going to mean anything. And so she comes and says, um, So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. So Joseph goes from low servant to higher up in society. He's well liked by Potiphar, has control over the house and things that are in it. So now he's the absolute lowest person in society. Now he's a prisoner of the king's prisoners. So you think about this in our society today. If you do something wrong and you go to jail, there are different levels of jail. You know, you go to county jail, or statewide jail, things like that. But if you do a crime against the president of the United States, you're going to go to the big boy jail. And, you know, you're going, to be, you're going to be there for a long time. You're going to be with some bad dudes. And so Joseph gets thrown into the worst possible prison with the worst possible criminals. So if you're in Joseph's situation, this is looking pretty bleak. And you're probably thinking, God, I don't deserve this. I'm doing everything right. I just rejected this woman. I, I did the right thing. I was serving Potter for well. I tried to honor you, and now I'm in prison. Like, what, what is this, God? But Joseph's response is very interesting. And this gets into point number three. And you're taking notes. I want you guys to think about this. It says, when your life is rooted in the Lord, all that you do will still be blessed. When your life is rooted in the Lord, all that you do will still be blessed. 
So although Joseph was in the darkest place of his life, literally in a dark prison, the light still shined through and God still blessed him in that because he still stayed faithful. He still trusted in God. In our life today, whether it's in our church life or in our personal lives, if we're at the lowest place we can imagine and we just feel like things are not going to get better and we don't know why God is putting us through this because we feel like we're doing all the right things, if you remain faithful and trust God in the darkest of moments, great light will eventually shine through. And God will eventually bring you out of that darkness and, and, and bless you in a, in a pretty powerful, powerful way. Wait, excuse me. Um, and so I want you guys to listen here what it says in, in chapter 39. And it's in uh, uh, verses 19. It says, So it was, I'm sorry, verses 20. We're going to start here. It says, Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, which he said, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and there he was in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And again, important point to remember the Lord was with Joseph and showing him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all of the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his duty. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. What do you think about that? Joseph, once again, goes to this very low part of society. But because he stays faithful to God, because he keeps his eyes on him and keeps his faith in God, keeps being obedient, keeps doing the right things, it influences everybody in that prison. And all of a sudden, the guard puts him in, in control, basically, of the prisoners. He has the highest authority he could possibly have as a prisoner. And all the prisoners respect Joseph because he's doing the right things. So this is telling how many people in that prison Joseph probably witnessed to and showed them God's mercy and God's love because of the way he acted. And so, the same thing is true in our lives today. If you're in a really bad situation, you're like, God, I don't like my home life or my school or my job. And, you know, I mean, I don't like where I'm at in life. If you stay obedient to God, you trust in God, he'll, he'll use you as a light to influence all those around you. You know, he may have you in a certain place in life right now because he knows you can witness that person. Or maybe I can't. You know, maybe somebody inside the church can't witness to them. He knows that because you're in that place with them, you're doing the day-by-day -day with that person, you have the power to witness to them. And they're going to see a difference in you, and you may be able to change their life by leading them to Jesus. So God puts you in places, in dark places, so his light can shine through. And if you're a, a Christian and you have the Spirit, and again, if God's Spirit is well within you, you're going to shine this light no matter how dark the situation looks like. And you have the power to lead others to him. And, and I want you guys to think about this. When the Lord is on your side and your life is rooted in Him, everything you do starts to become blessed, even if it's not the way you imagine that blessing would come. You also spread a joy and love to others, even in the darkest of situations, and you influence and lead them to God as well. And even in prison, Joseph begins to use his gifts to inspire change in the prison. He starts to interpret dreams. So if you go back into the very first part of, 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 of the story here today, what was Joseph doing? He was interpreting dreams. He told his brothers, I'm going to be a ruler over all of you. Okay, they hated him for that because you know, they already didn't like him. But he had this gifting from God. And so if you think about your life today, each of us have a spiritual gift as well. Sometimes we have, we have multiple gifts. 
you know, mine may be teaching, yours may be empathy, it may be uh, compassion. There could be a lot of things that you're gifted in. You know, some people are gifted in singing and worship. But each of us are gifted in some area in life. And when you start to use those gifts for God's purpose of law, when you use your gifts for God, God blesses you. And it says here, everything Joseph started to do, he was blessed by it. And I want you guys, as we close here, I want to read chapter 40 off. Chapter 40 is one of the most intriguing passages in, in all of Genesis. And it says in chapter 40, and you can follow along with me if you're there. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker, so these are two people that were in prison uh, with Joseph. They were, they were a butler and a baker. Of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers. I'm sorry, this one they get thrown in prison. The chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house and the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined as well. So again, you make fun of the king, you go to the worst place possible. You know, you make the king mad, you go to the worst place possible. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served with them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a drink. Both of them, each man's drain in one night, and each man's dream with his own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with them in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter to interpret it. So Joseph said to them, Oh, do not interpret it. Do, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. I'll help you out. So then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. And it was though it, was though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. And then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, Here's what the dream means. He said that three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand accordingly to the former manner when you were his butler. Now listen to this, though. Joseph says, you know, I helped you out. I've been good here in prison. You know, I just helped you interpret your dream. Can you do something for me in return? Can you do a favor for me? He says in verse 14, but remember me when it is well with you. And he says, and please show kindness to me, make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. This is kind of funny. Get me out of this place. Come on, I've been here way too long now. Uh, for indeed, I was stolen away from the, from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So when the chief baker saw the interpretation was good, <laughs> he said to Joseph, I also was in a dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the utmost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. Now this was kind of funny. This guy's like, hey, this guy's got a really good dream. He's going to be back in power. What's my dream, Joseph? Like, let me have it. What good is going to come to me? And Joseph said, this is the interpretation of your dream. The three baskets are also three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh from you. I'm like, wow, man, thank you, Joseph. <laughs> and, uh, and it comes on and says, Now it came to pass 
on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, which is really interesting, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he did hang the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Now, verse 23, we're going to conclude our, our verses today. Listen to this last part. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So after all this, Joseph helps these guys out, does everything right. The butler gets restored back to power, and he had one job. All we had to do is say, hey, by the way, Joseph is the one that told me this. He's been a great guy in prison, and I think you should bring him back up. Totally forgets about Joseph, doesn't mention him at all. And I want you guys to think about this. You know, after these three days are up, I'm sure Joseph is thinking, okay, it's not happening. He forgot about me. And he kind of realizes that he's not going to say anything. And again, if you're Joseph, all these moments are, are tremendous moments to lose faith. You know, these are prime moments to say, man, God is not really for me. God is not caring for me. But Joseph never does that, never counts that in the Bible. He keeps having faith. He keeps trusting God. And he keeps putting his, his, his belief in him. That one day God's going to do this for me. One day God's going to raise me. It's not happening now. It's not happening how I want it to. But I'm going to trust that God's plan is better than mine. And as we'll see here next week, God eventually does bring Joseph out of the prison. And Joseph ends up becoming this great ruler, just like he predicted years and years prior. But it happens over so much tragedy. And you know, Joseph's dream, he probably thought when he had his dream, he was going to become a ruler at a young age, and things were going to go smoothly, and I was going to be this great leader. But it didn't happen that way. It happened how God wanted it to. Because every stop along the way, Joseph had an ability to witness to others. Joseph had an ability to shine a light to others. So in your life, God has a plan for you too. God has a plan for me. And that plan is to prosper us and give us hope in the future. But God never promises there won't be speed bumps along the way. There will be pit stops along the, along the way to the final destination. And the cars that you're dealt right now may be tough, may be challenging. You have no idea why God is putting those on you. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But it's because God knows there's a special plan for you through this. And you can keep trusting Him, keep obeying Him, keep having faith in Him. He's going to use you right where you are to shine a beautiful light to those around you in this darkness. And whether it's here on this earth, but whether it's in heaven, eventually God will restore you and give you hope in the future. And one day we'll be with him where there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. And God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come in and receive these gifts I have for you. So let me go ahead and pray for us here tonight.